This podcast was recorded on the unceded and ancestral lands of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Hello, Discasters. How are you all doing today? I hope you're all having a wonderful week. Uh, apologies for the late release. The last couple weeks have been crazy with pride and then a move and adjusting to schedule and my just things got ridiculous. So I apologize for the lateness of this episode, but I'm excited to talk about Beauty and the Beast, the Enchanted Christmas, uh, because it is legitimately, I think, the only time a straight to video sequel has actually been good <laughs> in terms of like with uh or like a direct sequel because like you have the, you have the threequels that have occurred in the past you know with um with the little mermaid ariel's beginning and with uh cinderella 3 a twist in time both of which are quite good but this is the first time that uh there's been a, an actual sequel sequel uh like that that was second in terms of the the consecutive sequels that has actually been good so Beauty and the Beast of Enchanted Christmas. Uh, this one is interesting because uh, it actually inserts itself into the timeline of the original film. Uh, and yeah, like I, I like what they did with it. So just starting from the beginning, basically we start at a Christmas party that is held at the castle. Uh we're, we're not sure when, but it, it's shortly after the enchantment is broken on the castle. So everyone is in their human form. Everybody is happy. Everybody is excited. So basically the castle has invited everybody from the village uh, to the castle to celebrate Christmas and everything. And then you have Chip, who is kind of talking about uh, last year's Christmas. Um, and then like Lumiere and Cogsworth get into an argument about who saved that Christmas. And then Mrs. Potts decides to actually tell the story of what happened. So they go back a year and then they, Mrs. Potts basically is like, yes, that was when Belle was saved from the wolves by the beast and then comes back and decides to stay. So that's the establishment of where this film takes place within the timeline of the original film. It's shortly afterwards and it works because like after that, uh, after they do that, the, that musical sequence, uh, it's all snowy. And so it works that it could be Christmas. So yeah, so it, it all really works and makes complete sense in my opinion. Now, so we go back. So we're, we go back a year. Uh, the enchantment is still uh, in place at the castle. Everybody is still sad and grumpy and everything. Uh, and then slowly we learn that uh, uh, that the prince or beast is very against Christmas. And it isn't until later that we learn that he's against Christmas because the night that the enchantress showed up at the castle it happened to be a Christmas. And so when it happened, when uh, when the, the prince dismissed the enchantress, she placed the curse on the castle on Christmas night, on Christmas Eve. So that explains why he doesn't like Christmas. And, the, and then that also gives us a little bit of an idea of like when it occurred and like uh, all that. And so it's very interesting how they're kind of like tying up some loose ends uh, within this film, we are also introduced to two new characters, uh, one of which is Forte, uh, who is a giant pipe organ, who is voiced by the incomparable Tim Curry. 
And then uh, Fife, who is a little piccolo, uh, who is uh, most likely like an assistant to Forte, who was the, the court composer uh, before the enchantment. Uh, and he is played by Paul Rubens or uh, uh, Pee Wee Herman, for those of you who may not know. So the idea is that Forte is actually enjoying the enchantment. He likes the fact that he's no longer human because he feels that humanity is lesser than. And so he just kind of tries to get, get it into the beast's head that they're better off this way and that sort of thing. Fife is just kind of the minion. He's just, he just basically does whatever Forte says because Forte is uh, uh, kind of not luring or he's um, – what's the phrase, I guess? Uh Forte basically has Fife like in his uh, proverbial hands because of course he doesn't have hands uh, because uh, Forte promised Fife a solo, a piccolo solo in this next uh, big piece of music in this next opera, I believe he's composing. So Fife is basically doing anything for a solo. Uh, and so we learn that uh, Forte is like, very attached to the prince uh and yeah and so it 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 gets out that um uh that bell is wanting to bring christmas back to the ch back to the castle everyone's interested and so what they do is they plan to decorate the castle with christmas because bell is like you know the the beast can't cancel christmas it's christmas you can't do that so they're like sure yes it'll be great for it'll be great morale for the castle and so everybody goes out and uh, they head up to the attic where we meet uh, some of, like, uh, the decorations. <laughs> uh, like, the decorations of the castle. And one of them is a little, uh, like, a treetopper angel. Now, this angel is voiced by the incredible, the incredible... Uh, Bernadette Peters. The cast of this is ridiculous. Pedro Hera comes back as Belle, and uh, Angela Lansbury is also returning. Haley Joel Osment is returning. Uh, and then with the addition of Bernadette Peters, Tim Curry, and Paul Rubens, like, it's great. The songs are also really good, too. Like, they're all pretty strong. Uh, the main song of the movie uh, is, like, As Long As There's Christmas. That's kind of, like, the main theme throughout the film. Uh, there's a lot of allusions to that film or to that to that song within it, and it is the strongest song in uh, in the movie, I believe. Um, and yeah, th they're all really good. The weakest one, in my opinion, is probably "Don't Fall in Love," which is sung by Tim Curry, uh, which is basically him telling the Beast not to fall in love. You know, because he, it, you know, if the Beast falls in love, then the spell is broken, and then you know, uh, Forte's whole thing is, you know as not wanting to be human is kind of, you know, broken, I guess. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but, of course, the Beast gets word of this. He becomes very upset. He runs he, he runs down to the, like, the boiler room, I guess, where Belle is looking for a Yule log. And then uh, the Beast basically tells her, like, straight up, it's like, no, you are not doing Christmas. We are banning Christmas. You are forbidden for to celebrate Christmas. Which is ridiculous, of course. Belle, however, just kind of takes it upon herself to show the Beast how magical Christmas can be. And what she does, she actually makes him a present. She makes him a storybook. A full story. 
Uh, and it's interesting because later on, after, like much later in the film, when the Beast actually opens the storybook, we see that it's actually written in French, which I, which I think was, uh, which was like an addition that I think was really interesting. It was they didn't have to do it, but they did it, and I thought it was great. I thought it was a really cool bit of detail, uh, and yeah, and it kind of changes uh, the Beast's mind a little bit. But that's later, that's later on in the movie. Anyway. Uh, what ends up happening is they get all of the decorations going, and then the only thing they're missing is the tree. So they go to the tree, or they go out to the grounds, and uh, there's no real, there's no trees that are good enough to be a Christmas tree. And it is then that uh, Forte kind of lures Belle into his room, uh, who isn't, Forte is in the West Wing. Uh, they they kind of establish it that Forte's room is like directly next to the Beast's room. Uh, where the Enchanted Rose is. Uh, This is definitely, of course, an addition. Uh, This wasn't established in the previous film, but you know what? Honestly, I'm okay with it. Um, Because the character, I like the characters so much. And, you know, yeah, it's just, I like it. It's great. And so uh, Forte kind of like tells her, you should go into the Black Forest to to get the tree. But of course, Belle realizes, oh no, we can't do that. I promised that I would stay on the in the grounds. I can't, I can't. And then uh, Forte basically convinces her, is like, ah, but it would make the master so happy. And so she finally, de- and so she decides to do it. So she goes out to the Black Forest and then the beast shows up and then Forte basically, ske- like he he lies to him and basically is like, yeah, like uh, Belle went into the forest because she's abandoning you and all this other stuff. Uh, it's obvious that Forte is not a nice, but he's definitely the villain of this film. He's not a nice person. Anyway, and so Belle goes out with Chip to find a, to find a tree. They find one, uh, but then there's an incident with the ice because Fife or because Forte sends Fife to cause an accident to hopefully kill Belle, because again Forte is a terrible person. So Fife shows up. Uh, he like triggers his sound, which breaks the ice. And so Belle falls through the ice after trying to save Chip. Uh, Beast shows up, saves Belle, and basically locks her in the in the dungeon afterwards. Uh, she's in the dungeon. Uh, she's comforted by a bunch of the servants and Fife who felt guilty. Um, and then at this point, Forte basically tries to tempt the Beast to like destroy the Rose and all this other stuff. Because again, Forte doesn't want to be human. Forte is much happier just remaining uh, an organ and the confidant to the master, right? That's kind of the whole thing. Um, During the flashback, we see... It's interesting because we see the prince kind of how he was before. And if you thought the beast was bad, when when the prince was pre-beast, he was an awful, awful person. He's like screaming there. He's like, "Bring me my presents!" And then like Lumiere shows up with a with a storybook, and he's like, "What the fuck is this? Like, this is a storybook. This isn't a gift." And like tosses it, and he's like, "Forte, I hope you have something for me." Forte like pr- begins to play him a special piece that he composed specifically for the master, and then he's like, "Blah, that's garbage. That's awful." And so like it's in, we get more sense of the character of Prince Adam before he was a beast, and it's like. We, we we see just how shitty of a person he was. And I really like that they delved into that history 
and gave us a little bit more of that character, I suppose that character development of who he was before he was a beast. Because when he's a beast, it's understandable why his attitude would be so negative because he is so he has so much internalized hate that he's directed towards himself that he's he, that he is uh that he is really mean and bad and evil well not evil but like he's his his negative characteristics are so much more understandable when he's a beast because of this internalized hate for himself but when he's a prince when he's a human his uh just his negative attitude and evilness is so much more like oh you're a terrible per you're just a terrible person you have no excuse to be a terrible person you are a prince you have all of the shit that's just given to you of all of these servants who are willing to treat you the way that you you know to treat you with respect and everything and you're still an asshole like it's interesting kind of uh it's interesting that and i i really liked it anyway so forte is trying to convince the beast to destroy the rose this is when Beast sees the present that he was given by, to, by Bell. Uh, and he then he opens it. Uh, he reads the book and then he realizes, oh, like, I'm kind of an asshole. And so he goes down to the dungeon and apologizes, you know. And in my opinion, I think Bell forgave him way too quickly. I think there should have been a much bigger conversation. Um, but, of course, I feel like this film, because this film was basically... Uh, uh, produced by like uh, it was produced by Walt Disney Animation Canada which established studios back in 19 like in 96 to produce direct-to-video and potential theatrical films uh, using Canadian animators uh, there's one here in Vancouver and there's another in Toronto um, this was actually the first project that they put out uh, which went into pre-production uh, later in the spring of 96 and honestly, like, first out of the gate, I think they did a really good job, in my opinion. So, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what's, what's going on with, this, with the one after this, which is uh, Bell's Magical World, which is one of those compilation films. Um, so we'll see how that one goes when we, when we look at that one. Uh, but for now, yes. Uh, so... They had some time constraints. The, the length of this movie is like an hour five. It's really not that long. Uh, but personally, I think they should have given it a little more time for Belle to kind of talk to the Beast and uh, kind of have a little bit more of an establishment and reasoning for her to be or for her for her to forgive him. But it's fine. Uh, Forte gets very upset and he begins to. Uh, basically try and destroy the castle he's using his these magic powers he has with his music and everything to like take to like destroy the castle and then the beast like runs up uh like runs up to the room and like fife is freaking out because he's like i didn't ask he's like i didn't ask for this and so he's like telling him to like remove the keyboard and so the beast basically tears off the keyboard to the organ and then Forte is just kind of like he just like loses his powers, and then just crumples and like falls down. Basically, assuming he's dead, I'm assuming that he died. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, and like that's basically the end of Forte. And so yeah, it's a short movie. There's there's interesting kind of uh, character arc in that 
Belle's whole thing is she wants to do something nice for the beach. She wants to bring Christmas. She wants to bring happiness and joy and hope to the castle. And the beast is so racked with his own internalized guilt and his own issues that he cannot accept it. And he kind of goes up and down in like accepting Belle, but then like with the influence of others, kind of like rejecting her and then accepting her and then rejecting her. Um, so yeah. And then after, and then once that's over, then we, then we jump back to present in quotes, present day, uh, of the castle. And after Mrs. Potts finishes telling the story, Prince and Belle show up. It's all very sweet. Uh, Chip gets a storybook for Christmas. Fife, who was the new court composer, leads the orchestra in uh, in music, and everybody's dancing, and everyone's happy. Uh, it's it's a surprisingly good film. Like it's legitimately it's legitimately quite good. The songs in it are all really good. The characters are really good. The the the, the voice acting is is phenomenal. Uh, I highly recommend this movie. I highly, highly recommend this movie, especially for, uh, especially for Christmas, because it's it's it really delves into like the the. Uh, it kind of gives a good, um, no, not explanation. Explanation is not the right word, but it gives a good legitimization of the feeling of Christmas without going, uh, by while staying secular and not going sacred, which I really like. There's you know. They use Deck the Halls, which is a pretty stand, which is, you know, a standard Christmas carol, which is fine. Actually, it's very funny. Um, Beast, basically, uh, after he's given the gift, uh, Lumiere basically tells him, is like, you can't open it yet because it's not Christmas. And so Beast is like, okay, well, I'm going to do something nice for Belle. And what he decides to do is he sets up a really nice dinner, and he asks Forte to compose something for Belle. Forte reluctantly agrees. And so Beast is sitting there at the at the table in his room, and he's waiting and waiting and waiting. And this is at the point when Belle leaves the castle to go for the to go for the tree. And so Beast is like, "What the hell's going on?" Like, uh, Forte play the song, and Forte like reluctantly plays like "Deck the Halls" in really, really terribly, which is very funny because he's just like, I, he's like, "Oh, I don't want." He like grumbles about it and he plays it sings it terribly is very funny uh mrs potts shows up and like serves him tea and the beast is like mrs potts are you trying to distract me he's like what are you talking about no i'm not and then beast obviously like grabs the mirror and is like showing the girl and sees where she is and then forte is like oh like she abandoned you and all this other stuff and then he gets grumpy and then runs off and tries to find her uh yeah like i i liked it just all in all, I liked it. I give it like a four out of five. It's legitimately good, and I highly recommend it. Like, there's not much else to to, to talk about um, in terms of like other like anything else to really talk about the movie. Uh, even the production story is pretty basic. It was just you know produced to be a um, uh, just produced to be a. Uh, a sequel to the original film. Uh, initially, the film was going to be a direct sequel to the original film with the main villain slated to be uh, a, uh, someone by the name of Avenant, uh, who is depicted as Gaston's younger brother, whose whole goal was to avenge Gaston uh, by ruining the lives of Belle and the Prince, you know, threatening to kill him, reportedly using sorcery to transform the Prince back into a beast and frame Belle for it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, 
although he was cut out of the story and the plot had changed, these traits were incorporated into Forte, uh, the pipe organ, who did not want the beast to become human again. So, uh, oh, also, Forte was completely animated by computers. He's the only CG character in the film. We're kind of getting into this point where uh, there's some CG aspects to, to these films. Um, I know when we get to uh, Aladdin, which is like the next major renaissance film we're going to look at, there are some CG aspects in that film. Uh, but other than that, I think it we're, we're like the renaissance is, is almost entirely based around hand-drawn animation with only certain like enhancements done by CG. And I'm okay with that. Honestly, like, like every movie in the Renaissance period is, pract- is perfect, practically perfect. It's fucking beautiful. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, cast again, like Robbie Benson uh, as as the Beast, Pedro Hera as Belle, uh, David Ogden Steers as Cogsworth, Angela Lansbury as Mrs. Potts, Haley Joel Osment as Chip, Paul Rubens as Fife, Bernadette Peters as Angelique, who is the the the, the angel topper. Uh, who sings uh, As Long As There's Christmas. Uh, Tim Curry as Forte. Frank Welker is in this uh, as Philippe and, and Sultan, the little, the little, the little like, uh, Ottoman dog. It's very funny. Uh, there's an axe character who's played by uh, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Bennett. It's very funny. He's just, he's just basically, like, um, he, like, leans into, like, a hardcore New York Jewish accent, which is very funny. Uh, Jerry Orbach uh, returns as Lumiere. So, yeah, they brought up a lot of the original cast. And I think it was I think it was a good a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. All in all, really great movie. Again, great songs. Just great, like, legitimately really good music. Yeah. Uh, they were composed by Rachel Portman with lyrics written by Don Black. So uh, nothing from uh, Alan Menken, but that's okay because again, like these are just, these were legitimately really good songs and yeah, they all, they all definitely held up. The, the movie holds up, I think, and I highly recommend watching it. Watch it on Christmas. It's really cute or don't, you don't have to watch it on Christmas. No one tells you you have to watch a Christmas movie at Christmas. Watch it whenever you want. Bottom line, great movie. Lots of fun. Highly recommend. And I'm very excited uh, for, I guess, the next time we come across a Disney sequel that's actually good. Because, like, I think the next time this happens is probably The Lion King. Because Lion King 2 Simba's Pride is actually quite good. It's not amazing, but it's good. Anyway. Next week, we're going to talk about, or next episode, we're talking about Belle's Magical World, which is the third inst- uh, third installment of this film series, question mark, I guess. Um, yeah, it was just a direct-to-video animated musical. Uh, this one, I think, was another, um, like, like I said, it's a compilation film, I believe. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I honestly... I'm not holding my breath. Uh, it was produced by Walt Disney Television Animation and animated by Toon City. So already it doesn't, it's just not, I don't know. I just I just don't have high hopes for it, but we'll see what happens. So Belle's Magical World is next. Uh, but until then, I hope you all take care of yourselves. Uh, I know it's a shorter episode, but just, you know, it's just a short movie. The movie was an hour long, for God's sake. 
Uh, and yeah, uh, until then, uh, hope you all take care of yourselves. Make sure you drink your water, take your meds, eat, eat some food, get some sunshine, get some fresh air, get moving, get some exercise, and we'll talk to y'all later. Bye. <laughs>